Hey guys, welcome back to the Outro Podcast. My name is Rashid Phillips, your host, and the Outro Podcast is the podcast that introduces you to entrepreneurs in the early stages of their entrepreneurial journey. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe, share the podcast. Hope you're ready for this episode. It's actually a really special one. Uh, Today we're going to have Sean Oki of Pontoon Brewing located in Dunwoody, Georgia. I've actually had the opportunity to team up with Pontoon and we're releasing a beer called Tall, Dark, and Smoky. It is a smoked porter. And the amazing thing, other than I actually get to uh, craft the flavor profile and smoke the hops myself is uh, Pontoon and I have decided that we are going to donate 100% of the profits of this beer to help start a foundation to help children and kids pursue academic and culinary pursuits. So it's not only going to be a beer that tastes great, but it's going to make a change and be very impactful for a lot of young lives. So I hope you guys check it out. I'll be posting more information about that in the future, but come and join me while uh, Sean and I catch up. We were in the brewery for this one, so I apologize. They don't stop working, neither do I. So there's a little bit of background noise, but the information is really, really good, really, really pertinent. If you've ever thought about, you know, doing homebrew and eventually wanting to get into your own line and into the world of craft beer and craft brewing, definitely check this out. Thanks, guys. If you could, Sean, introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are, what you do, and uh what we're drinking. Okay, yeah. Uh, my name is Sean O'Keefe. I'm the CEO and co-owner of Pontoon Brewing here in uh, Sandy Springs, Georgia. We were the first microbrewery in the city of Sandy Springs. Uh, kind of wrote the rules and laws and regulations uh, for the uh, upcoming and future breweries that will, you know, eventually come back or come into Sandy Springs. Um, and uh, we're, you know, a brewery that likes to test the waters, uh, push the limits. Um, have a really strong community uh, outreach uh, and, and really be part of the community. Uh, and, you know, we still love our, our traditional roots of, of traditional styles and um, traditional ways of making beer. So uh, one of those beers that uh, is what we're sipping on right now, um, which is our Vienna lager. Um, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, branded as a Mexican lager, uh, which is interesting because the kind of the history behind a Mexican lager or a Vienna lager was um, when, you know, after World War II, before World War II, during and after, um, a lot of people left Germany for obvious reasons um, and, you know, to escape the torments that were going on there. And so um, a lot of, of German folks uh, ended up in the Central and South America areas uh, and brewing uh, their traditional German-style beers, but with uh, different water profiles, using different malts and ingredients, from surrounding areas, so you know that's where kind of the Mexican lager comes in, and that's why there's multiple kinds of Mexican lagers. You can have ones that have corn. You could have ones that are lighter in body, lighter in color. Um, this one is more of a darker, maltier, uh, Vienna uh, malt, uh, you know, driven recipe where Vienna malt is a caramely, uh, you know, lightly toasted malt. So that's what gives it the beautiful like amber hue that it has. Damn good looking beer. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's clear, um, but it's it's got the you know the the amber hue to it. Um, you're gonna find it's very biscuity, very bready. Um, Got some sweet caramel malts to it. Um, largely, you know, very uh, balanced, very easy to drink. Even though it's very malty, um, it's still you can put a few of these down and not feel like you're just expanding at the waistline. Um, so this is my favorite drink that we have on right now. 
which is funny because people think of pontoon, they think of all the crazy Skittle tricks beers that we make, which Smiggles, yeah. Yeah, we love it. Don't get me wrong. I love those beers. Uh, they're fun. We do them right. Uh, but when it comes to a traditional classic style like a Vienna lager, you can't go wrong with it. And I, I think that's just the perfect segue to get into everything that we're talking about. You said it, when you do it, you do it right. And there's definitely a, a right and a wrong way to brew. There's a right and a wrong way to run a business. And um, I know as we talk more, we're gonna figure out what those right and wrong ways are. Cause I'm a huge fan. Uh, obviously, you know, I've been around since the doors have opened. Day one, <laughs> back when it was uh, food, P-H-U-D, yeah. <laughs> you know? Knowing so, your roots. Exactly, so I've stuck around, you know, the company's great, the beer's better, the community's what's got me tied in. So I love it. No, cheers um, to that, man. I appreciate the kind words. And, um, you know, there are a lot of right and wrong ways to run a business, run a brewery. There are also a lot of ways that you didn't know was the right way and the wrong way, too. So, yeah. you know, part of running a business is understanding, you know, uh, navigating the the pathway of, of success and not any like every person's navigation process is going to be completely different. And so. Um, you know, part of, of learning is failing. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people don't understand that or they're afraid of the aspect of failing. Um, there's different like degrees of failing. Um, and so, you know, beers wise, it's a perfect example. Our beer quality when we first opened up to where we are now is completely different. Um, and you know that goes with all the processes, the way we've worked with the community, things like that. Um, one of my favorite stories is you as a an entrepreneur working with us as entrepreneurs super early on, both in our infancies, yeah, yeah. and growing together and seeing what works, what doesn't, and then using each other in a you know positive way to prop each other's businesses up. Um, which is why I love this community so much. It's so collaborative. Um, so yeah, cool to cool to see you know the inception to where we are now. Exactly, and I, I want to get back or get to that inception. So how did we get? And for those who haven't been, you, you got to come down here and see it. But how did it go from the concept, the idea, you know, homebrew to a giant like you know, 15 foot otter? more <laughs> painting on a, on a wall you know it's, there's there's some steps in between then and now absolutely um you know our story is similar to a lot of others where um you know we didn't have the capital to start the brewery uh marcus and i don't come from money um neither did any of our other um you know majority owners um we just we're hardworking and we like to do things that uh, have meaning for us. And so we're all working our corporate jobs. Uh, I was actually working in the sports industry. Um, I was working for the Predators at the time uh, in, in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, which, you know, I love the sports industry. I love the people I work with. Um, you know, my bosses uh, were super essential to growing me as an entrepreneur. Uh, Danny Butler and, and, uh, and Kyle uh, Clayton 
were you know integral in my success. Same with Sean Henry, who's the CEO of of the National Predators, um, the most approachable CEO that I've ever met to this point, and he runs a multi-million dollar corporation with the National Predators and all that, and yet he knew everyone's names. He cared about you. He cared about your your back, your you know upbringing and where you wanted to, to be and your goals. And so I've taken that and tried to implement that same focus um, with my business. Yeah. Um, you know, I was asked the other day, you know, what the most important, you know, investment that we've made in our company is, you know, and a lot of people were throwing out um, equipment, things like that, but the most beneficial and important thing is the people that we work with. I mean, you have seen us since we've opened yeah. and there hasn't been a ton of changeover. There really hasn't. It's the same faces. It's a lot of the same faces and we, we want to keep that up. We want to be a family. You always hear that like. Cheers. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're a family and, you know, not a lot of companies stick to that. They're, they're not a family and they should just say that. But we yeah. want to be a family here. We want to, we do company outings. We do float trips. We do things like that, that, you know, we, we actually care about our employees and it's not just uh, to write on a piece of paper and tell the world about it. Um, we like to have fun. Uh, we have a good time, but we work hard. Um, yeah. That's, that's for sure. I, def I definitely see that. And it does go to show the turnover is next to non-existent here. Cause I've still see the same faces. I still know the same names. Everyone's still loving what they're doing, which you don't think you would see in this type of a field, you would think this would sort of be almost like not in an insult way, but you think this would almost be like a stopover absolutely type thing. Like, oh, I'll do this while I'm in school, or do this on the yep. side. But no, these are these people are putting in roots here. They're invested in you just as you are investing in them. Correct. Um, and you know, there's uh, there's some interesting like perspectives when you think about that because you know we are a smaller brewery. Um, in fact, you know, shout out to, uh, you know, one of our new employees that just came on, who came from a, a, a bigger brewery, CK, uh, came from Victory Brewing and oh, really? yeah. And so they're a, a very large brewery. And my main question when we were interviewing them was, well, why do you want to come down to a, a smaller brewery? Um, it's the same question when I asked my wife why she wants to work at a smaller college as opposed to a big SEC school. And it's the similar answer of, you know, there's more ceiling there's there's an increased ceiling here there's more opportunities we're small so we're growing we grow within so we're trying to keep as many people you know a lot of our our people started off part-time here yeah. um and are now full-time our brewmaster was two years ago was was a sellerman uh, part-time helping with packaging uh steven uh who just recently left us to uh go help run his dad's company um started off in the cellar and then came you know to be a brewer and logistics manager um you know we've had you know tom who's our taproom manager who started off in a, as a bartender then a supervisor and then assistant taproom manager and then taproom manager yeah, yeah. and we like to invest in our people because they're investing in us we understand that we are an investment uh, as well um, i would like to pay our employees better i would like to give them better opportunities uh, and i think that they trust us that we're coming through on our promises to be able to do that um, and that's hard when you're first starting out um, you know, it's it's hard interviewing people. It's hard finding the right fit. Um, you know, I've passed up on some really good people that I'm good friends with because it just isn't the right fit. It has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with, well, I want them working for us, but I have a different vision, and we're not there yet. So be patient with us. Um, and it's hard, and it's 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 not something that I enjoy doing. But 
it's worked because when we bring those people in for those roles, they've not just come in, they have excelled. They have brought in new ideas and concepts that I am, would be foreign, like it would be not uh, something I'm even thinking about. That's the reason I'm hiring them is because they know more than me yeah. in that area. Um, and so we've had a lot of success with that. And, you know, we have built up really fast, really quickly, uh, or, you know, we've built up big really quickly uh, over time. And so, you know, making sure that we do it in the right process and we do it at the right speed is actually difficult. Um, that's something that, you know, I would uh, definitely recommend to any, you know, not just brewery out there, but anything that has a, any industry that has a, um, a huge following um, that has the capability to have intense growth, you need to plan for that growth and you need to grow at the appropriate speeds. If you grow too fast, it can actually hurt you. Yeah. Um, and so then that can hurt your staff, it could hurt your quality, it could hurt your, your uh, appearance in the community. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of breweries that have grown so fast so quickly and they completely dropped all the community initiatives that they set out to do in the beginning. And I understand why that happens, I'm not criticizing them for it, and I know that they're probably bummed that they're not doing more of those things, but they're so focused on the growth of their business that they kind of lose sight of the important thing, which is the community around Pontoon. And I, I, I definitely can speak to that because the whole fundamentals of me starting this was if it goes belly up, I can still feed a shelter. And there, boom, there it is. There's no downside. There is if no downside. That, that's just what it's going to be. Uh, and instilling community at the very core of everything it just becomes part of it there's already a certain percentage of the revenue that can be uh, set aside to do this correct you know we're in a crazy time right now for covid but typically what would have happened you know eight weeks ago would have been you know back to school drive book bag stuff you know yep. free barbecue free this all on me just bring you know a backpack or bring some school supplies and there you go yep it's already ingrained it's part of it and Speaking on, on COVID, you guys have been able to really not only pivot, but really thrive during this time. Like you guys are doing these amazing releases that are out in like gone in 29 seconds, you know, <laughs> sold out in 60 seconds or less, like constant, long, safely, socially distanced lines. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, people are coming back nonstop and not just on the release days, but throughout the week Correct. and different days. What would you akin that to? What would you say is allowing you guys to pivot and shift? Because this stuff is changing on a daily basis now, but you're still thriving, really. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's a, a, a three-prong approach, and I'm going to try and make this as, like, boilerplate because the idea is we want other people to have this success as well. And so um, from a purely brewery standpoint, we – just before COVID had started putting out more limited release beers. Um, it's something that we as a brewery and as a brand, we like doing. Um, some breweries might find it over, uh, you know, it's, you know, encumbersome or, um, you know, difficult to come up with these new ideas and then make them good and then put them out and then you're doing it right again. Yeah. There's no reprieve. Um, so. You know, that helped us with COVID by putting out new beers that people can try, uh, new style, or like a variety of styles, so that, you know, if you don't like IPAs, that's fine. We have a sour, we have a lager. If you don't like uh, a lager, we've got a stout, we've got an IPA, we've got a sour. Like, you know, 
giving that variety and understanding, you know, what sells and what doesn't was, was crucial to us being successful during COVID. Um, you know, going away from the brewing side of things, something that would translate to everything. You know, we were talking about community. One of the biggest things that we've seen since COVID it ha is, is, it has, you know, still in effect is we have a huge community support. I mean, people that are buying our beers, even though they have too many of our beers in their refrigerator. Uh, and I say that as an example because it's a real thing. We, uh, we launched our membership, uh, which we didn't want to uh, launch for another year or so to build up uh, our reputation and, um, you know, because we want people to, to trust us. We had people knocking down our door for this membership. Um, and it was this really cool thing, and they have created groups since then, and they're doing outings, uh, and it's this just passionate I fan base. I see that base. a lot. I see they've got, what is it, like pontoon on a paddle or pontoon on the river where they're just coasting down in yep. huge groups just riding down with exactly. the beer. Exactly. We're not even initiating these things. They're just coming here, gritting beer. Uh, some of our staff are going with them, um, and that's so important when it comes to any of your businesses out there is – if you don't have the community support, you may be able to survive because you have a product that they want, but the minute that there's any sort of competition, the minute that you have any sort of setback, or the minute there's any sort of huge thing, like, I don't know, a pandemic that's killed hundreds of thousands of people in our country now. Imagine that. Yeah, um, you know, it's, I hear it's fake though, so, yeah, you know, we, we there's, there's that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, anytime you have something of those natures, what's going to happen is your customers are not going to be loyal and they're going to go to the newest, the best, the shiniest, you know, shiniest rock in, in, in the bunch um, because that's the cool thing to do. And so what we knew and we wanted to build was a community base that we could rely on and support and then subsequently give back to the community. Um, and so, you know, you were talking about, you know, your business and, and if the, you know, if you fail, quote unquote, uh, you know, if you, if, if you didn't sell out or something, you give to food shelters. Um, that is such a cool and fresh way to look at business where if you're looking at your contingency plans and the worst case scenario is you are helping out your community, that is, I mean, you are in a great situation. Yeah, it's um, a win-win. It is a win-win. And I think a lot of business owners neglect that because all they see is oh, I'm losing margin. I'm giving away some of my margin to, um, you know, charity. I, it's in my P and L that I can only give away this percentage or this amount on a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, don't get me wrong. We have a budget. We, we talk about these things, but what we've largely figured out is by not limiting ourselves on these things, on these initiatives, on these programs, on these, you know, giving back to the community, our revenue has increased. Our, we have more to give back and still more to give our employees and to build up this program. And so, you know, if you're looking at something straight from a business perspective, it makes sense to be involved with your community. It makes sense to give back to your community. I mean, I don't even think about the tax implications that come into it because we, you know, as a brewery, we're bought, constantly buying equipment. So our, our write-offs are yeah. largely huge, so you've I got mean, a new shiny box over there. Every day, I, you know. I don't know what it does, but it looks really cool. Inexpensive, and yes. yeah. <laughs> I walk five feet extra away just yeah. to get. Yeah. I don't know. So That's like, a lot of steel. yeah, it is, and so I mean, it, it's beneficial for us to 
work with our community and to give back. And subsequently, we're gonna get a lot of people that support us. And this Saturday, we had a massive amount of people here and it was, yes. everyone was like keeping their distance. It was, you know, very, I, I didn't feel anxious by having that many people. It was outside, which is nice, but it was hot. Yes, it was. It was hot, and yet there were still a ton of people outside having a good time, drinking beers, bringing their dogs, their kids, their families. And, you know, we look back at that and go, well, what did we do right? And for the longest time, we were wondering, like, why is this increasing? Why is this increasing? And then we started hearing from people in our community saying, we love you guys because you do this. We love you guys because you've done this. Um, and so it's like a very rewarding feeling, but at the same time, you know, you don't do those things to feel good. You do those things because it's for the betterment of your community. And that is the, the right thing to do. It's a, it's a whole thing about breweries, but also a lot of other small businesses. Um, the more su community support you have, the better. Um, and the last thing about COVID is just being able to change, being quick, being flexible, not staying with the same thing because it's the same thing. That drove me nuts about almost every company I worked with before Pontoon was, well, why do we do it this way? Well, because we do it this way. Okay, well, why, why do we do it this yeah. way? Because we we've done it this way. I was like, you're, you're saying the, the same, same thing. thing. It's not really helping at all. Right, why, like, if we can understand the why, then we can understand, well, is there a better way to do this? Is there a more inclusive way to do this? Um, is there a, uh, uh, you know, more efficient way to do things? And so uh, when I worked with the Predators, that was like, my favorite thing to do there was to find efficiencies. You know, I saved a ton of money on their utilities just by fixing a timer to have things auto turn on and turn off. It took me an hour or two to put together and it saved them like half a million dollars a year. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that if you're constantly looking to better yourself, better the company, better the department, better whatever, better your community, yeah. you're gonna find that you're only going to get better. Um, and so for the people that just stop and stick with what's working, that's why Toys R Us went out of business, which breaks my heart. Toys um, R Us, Blockbuster. Blockbuster, oh um, yeah, big one. Sears, Circuit yep. City. A lot of them didn't see the change coming. You Correct. know, I think Blockbuster literally laughed at Netflix in they their did. meeting to say, hey, you know, we're good, we're okay, and then they were gone. I still have my Blockbuster card. Just, I do too. I think, I think all of us in that generation that can remember the, keep the fees and you know snagging a fistful of AOL CD-ROMs yep. to have the trial, <laughs> all have our Blockbuster cards. It's like, hey, we're, not, we're not getting rid of these. Know Never your know. roots, There's know where you one. came from. Yeah. There's one in Alaska. Yeah, I saw There's that, one yeah. Blockbuster in good Alaska, and I'm just like, hey, when you're in Alaska, do what you gotta do. Is the internet just really bad? I it, they say it is horrible out there. <laughs> okay, like well, that, there you go. Is, there so you go. They're doing well. But, okay, so I'm Joe Blow. I've got X amount. I want to start manufacturing or tinkering with some getting into the, the brewing field. What is one thing you would warn me against immediately, and what is one thing you'd be like, hey, you know, as a positive note, what you would do or what you would suggest. Sure. Um, so let's let's start with the positive. Um, you know, I think something that uh, every brewery, you know, perspective owner um, going into it is surround yourself with good people. Um, we see it all too often where, you know, breweries, uh, you know, an owner who may have homebrewed a little bit wants to come in and wants to be the brewmaster. 
I think it is largely a huge mistake. Um, and so I say this is a positive because I see it a lot. Um, breweries that come on and they, they bring on good people that know what they're doing more than you um, and they give you the ability to stand out. Um, you know, you don't want to be that company that monopolizes ideas and, and recipes and branding and, and all that. You want a collective of, of ideas and concepts so that you have some uh, additional eyes and ears on things and you can pivot quickly and change. So, um, you know, the positive, you know, the, my main like positive takeaway is surround yourself with good people. Yeah. You surround yourself with good people, it makes things a lot easier. Um, and you get to watch these people grow and develop and hit their goals, break their ceilings, take on new positions, take on new tasks and, and, and items and save the company money and, and you know, promote it better, have better branding, all the different things that you would actually want as an end goal uh, just by having different people on. The, 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 the hardest part about opening a brewery and it's largely it's it's really hard to get around is the monetary investment that a brewery takes um you know here in georgia things got a little bit better when the laws were passed that allowed breweries to sell beer yeah. out of their own brewery you have to do sort of like a, a new york lucy thing like put a quarter into this elephant and a cigarette falls out but you guys had to do t tours right tours. tours you know and I, you can't you can't yeah, see yeah. me or maybe you can i'm heavily uh uh, you know, quotes. heavy air quotes on heavy tours. Um, and, you know, like, here's a brewery, here's a brewery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, you didn't get a chance to take a tour? No worries. Um, yeah, that, that made things really difficult. Um, and so in order to get around that, you know, we had to be creative. And so now we don't have to be as creative on that side of it. And so you could open up a smaller brewery with a pilot system that's just on premise, you know, you have your halfway crooks of the world, your yep, yep. contrast artisan ales. You have your, um, you know, your breweries that don't really distribute a whole bunch. Um, they mainly focus on their brewery itself, which is a model where you don't need as much financial investment if you are wanting to do it. Um, before the law changed, it took on average about 1.5 million dollars to open up a brewery. Um, we did not have that. We had about two-thirds of that um, and what we did is we understood that we weren't going to have the full financial scope to be able to just jump in so we needed to create partnerships with vendors and investors and things like that that would allow us to take advantage of some things um, you know on this building we got a bunch of uh, tenant improvement money we looked at 42 places before we picked this one. Goodness. So whereas another brewery might have just picked another place, didn't really care if they gave the money to build up the space or not, we had to have that. So that was tough. You know, it, you know the, the opening up the brewery took about a two-year process uh, from, you know, planning it out to picking a location to getting the funding to getting approved with the loan for disbursement from build out to opening. Um, and that was its own business. It is a completely different business model of building a brewery to running a brewery too. So being able to pivot quickly to the to the next step is super important. But you know, money. Um, I would love to impart some wisdom of helping people fund their breweries because 
we're going through it again. Give it to them. Go for it. We're, we're um, you know, we're, we're looking for our, our, we found our second location. Um, we have the, you know, equity money raised for the injection. Can we the second location or is it the other, the location we talked about? Before? So it's, it's the Tucker. Okay. Yeah. So, so the spot that is our favorite that, you know, we have a. a really dug that spot. Yeah, it was, it is by far our favorite. Um, not to say that that's going to be the final spot or that there's not anybody that's going to come up, but currently it is perfect for our operations. Um, and so here we are again. We don't have money. We still don't have money. Uh, we have a little bit more money than we did before through the, the business, but it's certainly not enough to cover a $2.5 million expansion. Um, and so how, do you, how does someone find that money? Um, so my first recommendation is to talk to as many banks as you can about an SBA loan. Um, you know, I know that this is an increasingly difficult thing for people of color because of previous, uh, you know, stereotypes and just bad lending practices. So I know that that's easier said than done. Uh, even with us being four white males, it still took us eight banks to find the bank that finally worked for us. So it'd probably take me like 32. Right, exactly. But it's still possible. It's possible. <laughs> and that's the idea is you're going to face a ton of rejection, a ton of disappointment. I w am not too big of a man to say that there were nights when we had a bank that was stringing us along for several months and told us it was going to happen and then came back and said it's not going to happen. I went home in tears and I was like, this is done. This is done. I've been working on this for multiple years and it's just not going to happen. What do I do? I guess I have to go back into a corporate job that I don't want to work. Um, and, you know, lucky for me, I had a, a very supportive wife who was like, even though she knew I wasn't going to make money, in fact, I'm making a salary for the first time this year. Right. And, uh, you know, 2014, so it's been, it's been some time. It makes you feeling better. I still don't make a salary. And I just appreciate you that much more <laughs> because it is rough. Um, it, is, it is not easy, and, you know, I have the – just the largest amount of respect for a business owner who can withhold to grow their business because that is the best move you can do. Reinvest. It's hard. It it's is. hard. It's hard. <laughs> it is very like, ah. Uh, but then you 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 figure out ways to okay. If I can't take a salary from the business, what can the business give me to allow me to continue? And how can I still be profitable in the business? So Correct. Little nutshell. I'll share. You Absolutely. Know, with your gems. I, li I really don't. I really don't take a salary from PBC. I generally don't. I get my payment through merchandising because I front my merchandising. Awesome. I, I front and bankroll my merchandising while leveraging the brand name of what PBC is now. When I started, no one cared. No one really gave, you know, who food was or who sheet was or anything. But now that means something Correct. to where it allows me to be able to say, hey, these are things that I've designed that are under that umbrella and people want to support. And that's how I continue on. Shirts, hats, labels, stickers. Um, if I personally book or go out and book different caterings, I'll take a percentage of that, a small percentage, but that's how I work it so that I am still able to get or make some sort of monetary uh, contribution to myself so you can survive and, exactly and it's an amazing feeling and if you're not there yet you will be there's no more amazing feeling in the world than writing a check to yourself and then signing it and depositing it. <laughs> that is like I love Mondays because Mondays are paydays for me that's awesome and I love writing a check to myself from my business because of the work I do yeah like that's 
that's what you have to do. You have to look at those words because you can't just say, oh, well, we brought in four grand a day. I feel like taking 2000 No, that is a bad idea. You got to think very, four. Very exactly. So build things in, build certain systems in that you can use. You know, I, uh, one of my other little tricks was you're getting two of our fill-up boxes. Great. For an extra 10 bucks, you can get a shirt. Great. I just sold some merch. I get to collect that right. merch. And if you're doing an event with a couple hundred people, you blow through 150 shirts, you just wrote yourself a nice check on merchandise. Yeah. So you've got to really think differently and creatively when you're in these businesses. And I feel like a lot of people won't if they're not pushed to do so. Correct. And that's part of that, the adversity that you're describing that you guys face of going to eight different banks and they're all saying no. And it's a question of, do is this really what you want to do? Right. And it's really easy to say no in that moment. It's so Correct. much harder to say yes. Yeah. And the failure, is, it wears on you. Yep. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of a, a secondary aspect of, you know, being the, the business owner and not paying yourself that much or at all is you get really good at budgeting. Yes. <laughs> you get really good at penny patching. And so it's nice when you finally do have money, you're not blowing through it. You're either investing back in the business or you are saving it or putting it towards something that it actually has meaning. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, this last, you know, f six years, five, five years about, uh, my wife has, has been our, our, our moneymaker and she doesn't make a ton of money. She makes decent money. I'm proud of her. She's like the youngest associate director in the University of Georgia system back wow. when she first got her job. And, um, you know, she's really driven, but she is literally keeping us afloat on one person's salary and we make do we have a one-year-old and we we cut corners and we don't eat out as often as we would want to and you know we we bulk plan food and and all it's done is giving us a footprint of success even when maybe pontoon we we make some money and we have the ability so it's it's a really good lesson and like i said it's a secondary benefit of 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 being an entrepreneur is you can't blow through money anymore. You really can't. Um, every, every penny, time. yeah, yeah. You, you're, you're really accounting because you're like, yeah, okay, so the business may have made this extra. Do I take it and I spend it on something frivolous? Or let's put it back in. That can get us another machine that speeds up our time, that saves us X yep. amount on payroll later, and now we're, now we're able to go. You're, I think the hardest part for a lot of entrepreneurs that I try to convince them to remember is, remember, your business money isn't your money. Right. That has nothing to do with you whatsoever. And you will spend a vast amount of your first year. And if you make it out of your first year, your second year's revenue on things that literally make you no money right back. Right. You know, um, when I, I just got a, another smoker. It's great. It's beautiful. I bought the smoker Tuesday. I didn't make the money back on Friday. It's, it's, it doesn't work that way. It's going to take some time for right. it to pay itself off. But you're getting these things that you're allowing the business to reinvest and grow. And that's what the business is doing. And you yeah. need to keep the best um, mindset and the best outcome for the business in mind when making these decisions. It's Absolutely. really easy to be like, oh, we're doing so great. No, the business is doing really, right. really great. Let's keep that trajectory. Don't get carried away. You know, it's the concept of reinvesting. You're, you're not just reinvesting in your business. You're reinvesting in yourself. Exactly. Um, you know, a lot of business owners are pulled in a million directions. They wear way too many hats. 
They work ridiculous hours. Um, when we first started, I was easily working 100-hour weeks uh, where I would I had a cot here and I would sleep here and it, I wasn't the only one. Uh, you know, our brewmaster would, and you know, we're investing the time up front. Time is money, um, yep. but you know, reinvesting in the business is reinvesting in yourself. You are literally providing the funds that it's needed to like expand and grow and bring more people on so you can lessen the burden on so you can enjoy your life outside of your business mm -hmm. and then the next step on the, beyond that is actually paying yourself because you've built it into your plan you plan for contingencies you have money set aside for once again a pandemic um, that no one would have ever if you would have asked me in january hey this is what's going to happen uh, never. I don't think I, anybody I probably did. would have said aliens or yeah. some sort of invasion <laughs> yeah. before I said a worldwide pandemic that would shut the entire global economy down. Right. I legitimately would have said, okay, we found you know, life on Mars or something. Right, yeah. Like really, like when SpaceX launched, like they really found something. But then this happens, and I just have to say shout out to you because I remember right when it happened, like everything was shut down. They initiated the curfew and they kept bumping it up sooner. I think all the way to like seven, eight o'clock. And you guys didn't let anyone go. You went into your cellar and started, you know, auctioning yeah. off your own stuff. And that's what it takes. That's that's a true sign of not just an entrepreneur, but a boss and owner who genuinely cares about not just the business, but the people who've invested in there. Because you you had some heavy hitters yeah. saved and stored, and you're like, hey, this stuff is meant to be consumed. Let's sell it and consume it so yep. I can keep my guys. Absolutely. And that's, that's an amazing. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. And that that's really what shows in the face of adversity in the moments like this. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to cut and run, let your guys go like, hey, we'll just figure it out? No. You make the hard choices. Right. You make the sacrifices to now reap the benefits later. They've seen what you've done. They're not going anywhere, and they just want to work harder for you and fight for you the same way you did for them. Yeah. So, and I, and I understand uh, a lot of the people, I understand why a lot of businesses had to furlough people. Um, you know, I, I have breweries that I'm, I'm really good friends with that furloughed them. And I don't put anything, like, that's not a negative thing towards them. They know their model more than, they know, than, than I know theirs. But, you know, the idea is we just, we really didn't want to do that. You know, I said earlier, like, we are a family, and I don't mean to say that as some kitschy, you know, slogan of the of the week thing. Like, we really didn't, the, 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 the idea of people losing their jobs during the middle of a pandemic, that scared me. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of people here that moved from out of state, or this was their only source of income. We uh, bumped up our, our um, you know, bartenders. Uh, hourly pay to 12 bucks an hour with tips um, because we knew tips were going to be down. Um, and, you know, it wasn't great for business. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of return there. But what it did was it helped out the people that we care about. And, 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 and it was a time for us to prove, like, hey, we, we actually really do care. Uh, we don't have any shifts, but, like, hey, we need to clean. So, like, come in and, and help us organize and, you know, declutter and clean extra. We're in a pandemic. Um, and so it, it, was, it was a really cool feeling, but I, I, you know, I can't speak for my employees, but I, I feel like they were, uh, you know, excited that we, we kept them on and, and allowed them an opportunity to 
take their mind off of things while you're in a pandemic because that's the other side of it is you're furloughed and you're at home and you run out of things on Netflix to watch and yep. you're worried about <laughs> your rent. Um, you're worried about food and finding toilet paper. And the last thing you need to do is worry about your job. Um, that is that is, that should be the furthest thing from your mind, especially if you're kicking ass in your job during it. It just said that had to have been the biggest defeating blow. So we just, we did everything we could. Marcus you know, injected some of his own money. You know, I sold my seller. Uh, we, you know, we did a, a fun a, a GoFundMe where we had a bunch of people from the community, you know, help us out. And we were able to weather those few months until, you know, the payroll protection loans uh, stuff and like and that stuff come came through. Also, because we were aggressive and pivoting, we actually started making money during the pandemic. And we are now in a situation where we're not even remotely close. If there was a second wave of, you know, mandated shutdowns, we would be fine. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that I know a lot of people can't say, but I'm proud that our team has created the footprint that allowed us to, to, to do that. I dig, I dig it. I dig it. And I know we, we're cutting up on time here, so I always want to lead towards wrapping this. If there were, there's someone out there, you know, we'll go back to Joe Smoke, just wants to get into this world. What is your advice to him? You've mentioned earlier surrounding yourself with the right people, not thinking just because you could homebrew at home that you should be the one running the show what would be your third tip there that sort of puts it over the edge that solidifies it not on that that's just actually honest you know Antro likes to talk about what we've done uh, talked about so far there are a lot of pitfalls in business the, the, everyone's used to the hallmark card Absolutely. side of you know barbecue and breweries and everyone has you know chairs in mind walk in norm everyone knows your name there are a lot of things that can go sideways correct but if you're trying to talk to yourself the day that that eighth bank said no what are you telling yourself that day yeah so i mean so some some pitfalls that you know that i could go back and tell myself um you know try and be as funded as possible uh working capital is fleeting uh it really is yeah. um there are so many things that you you have to plan for that we just couldn't plan for we knew that these things were out there that equipment was going to break that all and we we're just like we just need to get through get by till we can get enough money to be able to fix these things and we got lucky we got unlucky on a few things and it bit us in the ass and um you know we we had to pivot and abandon projects or um you know cut ties with you know, a, a, like a specific project in mind uh, and focus on it, uh, on something else. But something that I, I would also encourage, and this is, you know, there are a couple things, but one is specifically to breweries. Pontoon gets some flack in the Atlanta beer community for our outrageous, outrageous ideas. We like to do things like put tricks and Skittles and beer, um, Overly fruited things, um, candy bars, donuts, yeah. you name it, we, we've probably put it in there. And not everyone has been a uh, home run, but largely they've been well received by the community. And so I get a lot of people that are like, oh, if I open my brewery, I'm just going to brew what I want to make. Good for you. Yeah. If you have the money and you've got a big fat lump sum in your bank account that you can ride the beginning years where people just don't care about your beer, good for you or if you have a brilliant marketing uh you know 
campaign behind you. Like the guys at Wild Leap, I, shout out to Wild Leap. <laughs> they, uh, and I love those guys. Chris, uh, the brewmaster, he lives like pretty close by, so he's always stopping in, and uh, they make fantastic beer. But what they did that not a lot of breweries did is they they came out just swinging hammers with their marketing campaign, yeah. and they built a huge following. They built that community base, and I like. That is the model. If you were a brewery, that is the model you should go after. You should talk to Rob at Wild Leap and, and Chris and, and all those guys, Anthony. Um, and just and, and the cool thing is they'll actually sit down and talk with you about it. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you what they did and what they didn't do and what was successful for them. Um, so, you know, unless you've got this just massive amount of money or, or massive marketing experience and campaign and probably still money. Um, money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, you know compromise brew what your public wants but do it your way don't lose sight of what you want to do as a brewery and you know what this does apply to barbecue and other businesses it's easy to conform to what everyone else is doing Um, it's easy to just do what is hot hype whatever uh, and lose sight of like what you are as a brewery the minute that these crazy fruited sours go away, we're okay. We don't, that's not our identity. Our identity is to push the boundaries of any beer and make classically good styles. So when that one style goes away, that's fine. We've got 10 more that we can put in its place that, that people are seeking. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I really encourage breweries to, you know, uh, to, to do a combination of what you want and what the people want. At the end of the day, it's a business, and at the end of the day, you're servicing your community. If your community doesn't want a bunch of farmhouses and lambics, they're not going to support you. Yeah. And you're not supporting them. You're not giving them what they want. And you know, there's a there's a line, you know, where you gotta make what you want, and you can't just conform to what the people want. But it's a pretty large line, and <laughs> and you know, you gotta take your pride out of it and realize that if I'm gonna do this crazy beer, I'm gonna do it the best that I can. I'm going to do it with my name on it. And when I put it out in the market, I'm going to put, I'm going to back it up. Um, and that's been our success. And that's really our story. If you had to define pontoon in one phrase, it would be, we are pushing the limits on the beer that our customers want, but that we want to make and we get behind it. Um, and that's something that, you know, for any business where you are customer interfacing, you got to make what customers want or you're going to go out of business. Yeah. Um, but you know, don't sell out. Do what you, they want, but then make it yours. And uh, Phil's Barbecue is a perfect example of that. <laughs> One of my favorite things is, and, and I'll say it again, uh, best barbecue in Georgia. Uh, and that's no bullshit. That's I, not like, I, I'm that, not brother. like just Kate, like pandering and whatever. Like, it is so good. I love barbecue sauces. I love barbecue sauces. I use them for things that are not barbecue. I dip my <laughs> fries in them. Barbecue sauce as a whole is is fun, especially my in my preference is more the the vinegar honey side of things as yeah. opposed to like the mayonnaise. Like I don't. I just don't like mayonnaise in general. But um, I'm probably like the only white person in the world I, that feels that way. Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, um, your barbecue is so good. I don't need to put barbecue sauce on. Appreciate that. That is a hard thing to do. Um, you know, a lot of times barbecue is dry, and so you need something to just like moisten the meat. Um, you need like some flavor, like it's overly charred or burned or smoked, um, and it loses sight of like the the richness of the meat, but also the the smoke and the the different woods being used. Mm-hmm. 
so your stuff is so good that I don't need barbecue sauce, but that's such a weird feeling for me because I love barbecue sauce. And I've been to plenty of barbecue joints where they're like, we don't supply barbecue sauce, we don't supply pepper and salt and ketchup and all these things. I get it. It's, you know, it's, you're, you're, you're confident in yourself, and you should be. But if your customers want that, why not make a really good sauce? Why not make a really good addition to it if that's just what they want? Yeah. And so your meat is great without sauce, but you also have some kick-ass sauces. And, like, you are allowing for multiple demographics and people to come in, and that's a wider base, and you're still proud of your sauces that you put out. In fact, you know, I think your sauces should go on a higher level, uh, you know, distribution kind of level, because they're that good. Um, but, you know, that's another example of you're still giving the people what they want, but, like, at the end of the day, barbecue, if you don't need to put sauce or spices or anything on it, that's some damn good barbecue. That's what I try to push for. And that's what we do with the brewery. You know, our base recipes are going to be so good that when we put other stuff on top of it, cool. But if we want to go back and tailor it back to doing traditional styles, damn right we're going to do it. Dig it. So we'll wrap there, brother. So how can people find out more about you, find out more about Pontoon and all the dope, amazing things? We didn't even get to touch on a day because that's, we're going to have. We're, we'll we're we'll have more back. of these. We'll yeah. Have, we'll have more. <laughs> Trust me. There's so much more going on. I, but what can they do? How can they find you guys? Absolutely. Um, so probably our most active social media point is our, um, is our Instagram, which is just at Pontoon Brewing, all lowercase, all together. Um, it, we do a lot of fun videos. If you haven't seen our goofy TikTok videos, um, yeah, Lactoon in the house. Uh, you know, we, we like to put out really vibrant art. Um, Shannon, our marketing manager, does a fantastic job. Shout out to Shannon for Corelling. Like, she, she works for you all, but you all work for her. 100%. She, she corrals everyone. Like, nothing happens unless Shannon's like, hey, guys, let's be, hey. Gotta do this. And it is it is like herding cats for her. So <laughs> shout out to her for making it work. But um, you know, uh, Instagram and Facebook, um, our website, uh, pontoonbrewing.com. Facebook is just you search pontoon brewing. Um, you know, we're just and also just come by the brewery. Um, you know, our owners are brewers. Oftentimes here, we like interfacing with the community. We're not that brewery that like, you know, the owners hide off in the back. I'm usually yeah. out drinking a beer myself. I got my kid with me, so you know, as long as you don't mind uh, looking at an adorable child all day long, it's yeah, not a bring the chunkster. Exactly. Um, so those are the best ways to get a hold of us. Um, we're also very responsive when it comes to like messages and emails and stuff. If there are community initiatives, um, uh, you know, charities, ideas, shoot, even beer ideas. We've had people send us beer ideas. We're like, damn, that's a really good idea. And then we give you credit, probably some free beer on it. Um, you know, interact with us. We like working with our customers. We like working with the community. We like working with the public. Um, and it's honestly given us the identity that we have today. Thank you again. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. And this will not be the last time. All right, man. All right, brother. <laughs> All right, cheers, guys. All right, guys. That was the episode. Please let me know what you think. Comment below. Follow us on Instagram at Entrepreneur Podcast. And please, I'd love to really have your guys' input on this. What were your likes? What were your takeaways? Feedback is how I can get better. Also, let me know if there are any particular entrepreneurs that you want me to reach out to. Drop me a line. I really appreciate it, guys.